When the Lord, when the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time we had not set the doors in the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking... Their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaniah, son of Dalaliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in his home. He said, Let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because, what have they, because of what they have done. Remember also the, the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the war was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work has been done with the help of our God. We are uh, continuing in our series of uh, Nehemiah, which I'm calling uh, Just Another Brick in the Wall. Uh, We won't sing the song now, but you've probably got it going through your head. Uh, If I'd known Mike was going to be here, I'd have got him out to sing it, because I'm sure he could give a a good rendition of that. But uh, this is the series, and just to to kind of recap about where where we've come from. We began in in chapter 1, when uh, Nehemiah was receiving the vision. And you'll recall that we said that a vision begins as a concern. He heard the news about the trouble in Jerusalem and that the walls were in ruin. Uh, We said that a vision is born out of prayer. That the first thing that Nehemiah did was pray to God for several days. And we said that a vision doesn't always require immediate action. Uh, Nehemiah did nothing for several months. And then we looked at Nehemiah chapter 2 when Nehemiah came back to be releasing the vision. And uh, we said that uh, uh, we were looking at the walls and we looked at the walls around our church. You might recall we'd had some damage to the walls. And uh, we said that uh, releasing the vision is about getting the timing right. We said it was about getting the telling right. And we said it was about getting the glory right. 
And then last week we were recognising the opposition. We said whenever anybody has a vision, uh, the reality is they will always face opposition to that vision. And we said that uh, uh, opposition is inevitable. We said that opposition is, uh, we said that prayer is indispensable. We said that discouragement is understandable. And we said that unity is desirable and that sacrifice is inescapable and that God is unbeatable. And uh, this week we're continuing uh, in the story of Nehemiah and uh, we're thinking about Nehemiah realising the vision. Nehemiah realising the vision. Um, I love it when people uh, have great ideas, and it was great to, to Graham to bring his, his that little thing for the children. I also don't mind being corrected. Uh, it's okay when I get things wrong to come and tell me, because uh, last week I told you uh, that Nehemiah was the shortest man in the Bible. Nehemiah. Uh, but I have been corrected. I, I stand corrected, because somebody said to me, uh, didn't you forget Bildad, the shoe height? Now, if you can beat that, <laughs> you come and tell me, and, I, and I'll report it next week. But at the moment, we're saying Bildad the shoe height is the shortest man in the Bible. We're getting lower and lower. Uh, I'll leave that one with you. But this morning, we're thinking about, uh, about Nehemiah realizing uh, the vision. I heard the story of a lady who was uh, a visitor in the church one morning uh, called uh, Gladys. And uh, the sermon seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. Might have been a Baptist church, I don't know. Many people in the congregation fell asleep. After the service eventually finished, uh, to be social, she walked up to a very sleepy-looking elderly gentleman, extended her hand in greeting and said, Hello, I'm Gladys Dunn. The gentleman replied, You're not the only one, I'm Gladys Dunn too. Well, this morning we've reached that stage in the story of Nehemiah where everybody's glad it's done because the walls have been completed. And a vision is never delivered. It's never more than a daydream uh, unless that vision is actually realised. And uh, Nehemiah, uh, throughout the whole process, has been totally focused on what he was doing. Totally focused on what he was doing. Nehemiah never lost sight of what God was doing. Last week we were thinking about the opposition, uh, recognising the opposition. And we see this week that the opposition doesn't easily go away. Even when the project's near completion, there'll be still people that are trying to put you off. And the first thing that I want to say this morning in uh, realising the vision is don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. As a minister, I can really relate to this one. Uh, it's so easy, isn't it, to get distracted. You know, you switch your computer on and uh, there's all these emails, most of them uh, absolutely rubbish. In fact, the other day, I, I, uh, I went into my trash. Did, did you know in your emails, you've got a trash. So when you delete the emails, they go into another box. And I couldn't believe it. There were 17,000 emails in trash. I deleted uh, about 16,000 of them. It took me about an hour. Uh, we easily get distracted, don't we? There's all sorts of things that can distract us in our everyday life. 
And uh, here we, we see that Nehemiah could have easily been distracted, even at this vital stage when the work was coming to a, an end. Uh, he gets this message. And uh, his response is, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Why should the work stop? The, uh, uh, they'd been invited to this meeting by uh, the baddie in the story, who, uh, who we love his name, don't we? Sambalat. Uh, a real good baddie name. He was trying to coax Nehemiah away from the walls, uh, enticing him to this meeting. And uh, we might recognise uh, the method that uh, that he uses uh, when we see that uh, that four times they sent me the same message. Four times they sent me the same message. Now, parents among you, you'll recognise this this thing. You know, Dad. Uh, can I stay up till uh, till twelve o'clock tonight? No. Uh, Dad, can I stay up till twelve o'clock tonight? No. Can I stay up till quarter to twelve? No. Can I stay up till half past eleven? No. And then they go and ask their mum. <laughs> Sometimes people do it if they want to get the wrong way, don't they? They come to you time and time again. I've I've always had people in the, in the church, and they'll come to me about the same thing. You know, uh, you know, Richard, will you tuck your shirt in? No. Richard, will you tuck your shirt in? No. Richard, will you tuck your shirt in? No. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people keep coming with the same thing. And, uh, Nehemiah, can you tuck my shirt in? There's people in the, in the church who actually want to come and tuck my shirt in for me. Uh, those of you who were here at the wedding yesterday, you'll have noted that I had my ch- shirt tucked in. So there we go. Uh, but Sambalat is trying to uh, distract Nehemiah from God's work. Of rebuilding the walls. And there's all sorts of distractions. We live in a world of distractions, don't we? You know, how many of you uh, whistle hours away just by watching the television? You hadn't planned to watch something. You, you, you're flicking through the channels and something catches you. And before you know, the evening's gone. There's so many distractions in our world. And Nehemiah uh, is not distracted, even though they keep coming to him. Each time, I gave them the same answer. He was solid and firm and stuck to the task. Distractions come in all sorts of shapes and, and, and sizes. Uh, the criticism was, was quite personal towards Nehemiah and he could have stopped and tried to defend himself and argue with people and defend his character, but no, he carries on with God's work. We know that Nehemiah, every time uh, he, he faced any sort of opposition or distraction, he always turned it back to God. Remember we said that last week. Uh, that Nehemiah didn't stand and argue with people and try and defend himself. He just gives it over to God. And that's what we said isn't a bad idea when people criticise you. You know, just give it to God. And, uh, and Nehemiah here, he continues with the work. He isn't distracted. Uh, they, 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 they kind of up the odds, don't they? And, 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 and there's fear, isn't there? And they say that people might come and try and kill you. And uh, threaten him, veil threats. And uh, sometimes you get that. You know, I was I was relating last week. You know, the the, the church member that, that threatened to give up the job if I ever rearranged the church. Sometimes people come with 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 veiled threats to try and get their own way. And Nehemiah isn't distracted; he stays with the job. So that's the first thing: don't get distracted. Don't let people distract you from doing what God has called you to do, because there'll be all sorts of distractions that we can face. And then, secondly. Finish what you started. Finish what you started. 
If Sue was here, she would tell you that uh, she's always complaining that I never finish a job, you know. You start washing up and then you get distracted and you you don't finish it. And uh, Nehemiah finishes what he started. We read that, uh, so the war was completed on the 25th day of Elul. In 52 days, the walls were completed. It's always important to finish things. Uh, in, in church, you know, uh, we start all sorts of things, but we don't always see them through, do we? We don't always see them through to the end. Um, finish what you started. Uh, do you remember the, uh, the coffee lounge, or what did it used to be called? The lecture room. I'm glad, I'm, I perhaps shouldn't have mentioned that, in case anybody starts called. Do you remember what it used to look like? And we had this vision, we had this idea, and, uh, and we saw it through, and the, and, and the, and the, the the lecture room was, was converted into this lovely coffee lounge that we're going to be uh, using later on this morning. Uh, we saw the job through. We finished it. Um, as a group of... Uh, uh, this is what uh, Walter Brueggemann, uh, in his book, uh, describing the text, he, he says, What a stunning vocation for the church to stand free and hope-filled in a world gone fearful and to think, imagine, dream, vision a future that God will yet enact. And this is what we're doing. We're dreaming, we're visioning uh, what it is that God wants us to do, that one day God will enact. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing as, as a group of deacons is we've been looking at our mission statements. We've been asking the question, you know, what is it uh, that Lum Baptist Church is here to do? And uh, we're going to see it through very often. It's on the deacon's agenda, but it gets crowded out by other things. And sometimes we don't get even time to discuss it. But we are going to see it through to the end. And we want to know what you think. Lund Baptist Church exists to what? What does it exist to? What I'd like you to do is turn to the person next to you and say what you think Lund Baptist Church exists for. Just turn to the person next to you and say what does it exist for? What are we here to do? Just in a sentence, or a word, what is it that we're here to do? Just ask you, say to your partner. Okay, anybody got any idea what we're here for? Has anybody got any idea what we're doing? What have you come up with? Brian. A witness for Christ. Yeah, I like it, yeah. We're here to witness for Christ. Amen. Anything else? Anybody come up with anything different? To glorify God. We're here to witness to Christ and to glorify God. To worship God. Yeah. Anything else that we're here for? Serve the community. Yeah, I like that. So we're here to witness to God, to glorify God, to worship God, to serve the community. Yeah, Jean. Feed people's souls. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Making disciples, feeding people's souls. Yeah. To hold meetings. <laughs> are we really here to hold meetings? Well, yeah, we, if the meetings are good, let's hold them. Uh, if the meetings aren't so good, let's get rid of them. <laughs> but yeah, we do hold meetings, don't we? Hold lots of meetings. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And as a, sorry, somebody else? To love God and to love each other. Unconditionally, yeah. To love God and to love 
each other unconditionally. That's what we're here for. It's good to know that it's good. I'm glad that you know what we're here for. Um, that we're not kind of making it up as we're going along. Uh, we know what we're doing, don't we? Um, our friend Rick Warren, we've not heard from him for a while, but he says this. He says, every church is driven by something. Every church is driven by something. So it's important to know uh, what are the facts, that are, what are the things that are driving our church. You know, we could have got all sorts of different replies. You know, make sure enough programs. Uh, tell me how much God wants to bless me. Uh, you know, and all these different things that sometimes people think that we are here for. Uh, so a mission statement, it's important that we all know that we're all on the same page, that we know what it is that we're trying to do. We want to love God and we want to love people, don't we? And we want to reach out into this neighbourhood. And we've started to do that. And those of us that went out on the community survey, survey <clears throat> you know, we were really blessed. Uh, we had a really good time. We had mainly positive results. I'll tell you one funny story. Uh, we went out last month, last Tuesday night... And, you know, some people, we filled the community surveys on the door. It was mostly positive. Uh, I was here Wednesday morning, and I heard that sometimes you can hear somebody f- pushing some food letterbox. And I went and I looked, and it was a reply. And I thought, gosh, somebody's bought a reply back uh, straight away. How exciting. And I opened it, and under, you know, what do you want Lund Baptist Church to do? It said, keep yourself to yourself. We want to hear what the people, what the people want for us. That isn't exactly what we want to hear, but, uh, but it was interesting. And, uh, you know, do pray. Uh, some people came along, just prayed in the church as we were going out into, into the community. Do, do pray for this community survey as, as we find out what the community thinks we ought to be doing. And, uh, and, and whether there's things in ways in which we can, uh, interact with the community. And obviously, uh, at the heart of it, we want to reach our local community for Christ. We do want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our local community. So pray about that. Finish what you started. We're not just going to start things and then just let them go. We're going to see them through to the end. Just as Nehemiah uh, finished what he had started. Because it's easy to give up, isn't it? You know, uh, do you remember when they're at that halfway stage? It's easy to give up on things. For those of you who weren't here yesterday... Um, I was trying a bit of magic uh, under under the great guardianship of our, our chief magician Graham. Uh, he entrusted me with one of his tricks, and I, you know, I practiced and practiced. I was preaching on on turning water into wine, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could do that? And and you know, so I, I had a wine glass and I, and I had some water, and, and you know, I practiced all week. Just wasn't working. But I didn't give up. I didn't give up. I thought, I'm going to see this through to the end. I'm going to see it through to the end. Oh, dear. Just thought I'd, I'd, I'll just keep trying and see what happens. You just never know, do you? You never know. You just never know. You never know. You just never know. Finish what you started. Don't give up. Even if it doesn't work straight away. So many times people in church say to me, Richard, we've tried that before. It didn't work. Maybe it didn't work because you gave up. Because you didn't keep on going. Sometimes you have to work really, really hard. You have to keep doing the same things again and again. You have to keep inviting people. You know, people say, well, I've invited someone to the Alpha course. And they said, no. Hey, why not invite them again? Why not ask them again? 
don't don't become an annoyance so that when they see you walking down the street, they want to walk their way because they know you're going to ask them to on the alpha course. But just just gently and, and kindly, you know, just say to people, you know, why not come with me to an alpha course and find out uh, what Jesus Christ is all about and what He's done for my life. Don't give up on on things, but don't give up on people. We must never give up on people. We could go out and we could we could take that survey and person said, keep yourself to yourself, and we could say, right. That's what we're going to do. That's our mission statement. We're going to keep ourselves to ourselves. That's what the community wants us to do. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, and some churches do, don't they? They just keep themselves to themselves. And it'd be easy to do that. We can, we can run all sorts of programs and we can do, we, we, we can do nothing that actually touches our community. Uh, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to bless this community. We're here to be a blessing to this community. So finish what you started. Don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus knew exactly what it was he came to do. And uh, he wasn't distracted. There was all sorts of distractions. Even the disciples sometimes got it wrong and got in his way. He even had to say to Peter, you know, get behind me, Satan, when Jesus was talking about the fact that he was going to die and that he was going to go to Jerusalem. And Peter was saying, no, don't do that. Jesus knew exactly what his mission was about. And uh, when he was on the cross, he was able to say, it is finished. This is what I came to do. I came to earth to demonstrate God's love and to die so that everybody could receive eternal life. Jesus was focused on his mission and uh, he wasn't distracted and he saw it through right to the end. And that's what we've got to do in our mission, in our vision for God. We've got to see it through. Finish what you started. And then finally, um, give God, the glory. Do you notice in Nehemiah there's these reoccurring themes? He always prays about things and offers stuff to God. He always makes sure that it's God that gets the glory. He always makes sure it's God that gets the glory. Give God the glory. Because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God, Nehemiah says. That's what Nehemiah did, he gave God the glory for the building of the work wall. He didn't say, look what I've done. Um, he gave God the glory. You know, there was an article in Christianity Mag- uh, magazine uh, this month um, about people trying to build a platform for themselves. Uh, somebody's written a, a book about how to build a platform for yourself. And, uh, you know, we must never do that. I heard a story about a, a minister who was retiring after 30 years in ministry. And he was clearing out his manse. And he discovered a basket under his bed with five eggs in it and £5,000. He couldn't understand where it had come from. So he asked his wife, he said, I must confess, she said, every time you preached a bad sermon, I put an egg in the basket. Wow, thought the minister. 30 years in ministry and only five bad sermons. He started to feel really quite pleased with himself and quite proud. He said, yeah, but what about the £5,000 cash? Well, said the wife, every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them and put the money in the basket. <laughs> Let's give God the glory. And if you're ever tempted to take any glory for yourself, just check under the bed. 
Because your wife or husband might be collecting eggs. You just never know. You never know. We have to make sure that God gets the glory. Throughout the story of Nehemiah, we've seen at every stage in the vision, pray to God, and when it's successful, give God the glory. It's great that Graham shared that people were, were pleased about the wedding yesterday, and we give God the glory for that, that God's name was proclaimed. We give God all the glory. And as we seek to, to envision this church, we give God the glory. When people come to faith, when we, when we baptize people, we give God the glory. When we're successful in something, we give God all the glory. Because as we sang in that song, our hope is in God alone. He's the only person that we're going to put our hope in. So whenever you have success, an answer to prayer, a new convert, a new person coming to church, let's make sure that everybody knows that it's God who is at work. We want to tell about what God is doing, not about what we're doing, not about what I'm doing. We want to tell people stories about what God is doing in this church and in this community. So let's make sure that God gets the glory. So give God the glory. Don't be distracted. Don't let things get in the way. Don't be distracted from what God has called you to do. Finish what you've started. Don't start a job and then and then leave it and not finish it. And when we have finished, let's give God all the glory. Let's 